Welcome to episode 12 of the Free Spirit Academy podcast, and we're talking about the number one key to healing, binge, and emotional eating. Free Spirit Academy is about you being fully you. My name is Randy Moss, and I'm an eating psychology coach and kundalini yoga teacher, bringing you conversations about freedom from rigid diets, painful body image, and never-ending cycles of self-help and self-improvement. This is about honoring our own bodies and our purest self-expression. everyone. Today is going to be a little different and special in that, well, special. I, you're going to hear me yammer on by myself without a guest today. I don't know if that's special or not, but it is different. And if you're listening to this as it's put out, I am launching today my 40-day program, Binge Freedom, in the Free Spirit Academy courses. And this is a program for anybody struggling with overeating, compulsive eating, and obviously binge eating. And what you're going to hear today is essentially the first section of that program. And at the same time, it stands alone. So if you've been, it's not going to be like a cliffhanger situation. So if you've been fighting with food and you are able to implement what you hear today, you're going to see a huge shift in your relationship with food in your body. And if you're curious and you want to hear more, the links for the rest of the program will be attached in the show notes. And there's no cutoff date for joining. It's going to be happening live, and then it is just going to exist in Free Spirit Academy to be taken anytime. So moving forward, I want to share a bit of my story with you today. And bits and pieces have come out in my conversations in previous episodes, but let's dive into this. I struggled with food for most of my life. And sometimes people will say, particularly in the intuitive eating community, that you should just think back to a time when you didn't struggle with food. Like, think back to your childhood when things were just innocent and free and easy breezy. And that has never been something that's worked for me because I literally do not remember a time when food was a non-issue. What I do remember is sneaking food from the kitchen refrigerator into my plastic refrigerator in the toy room and eventually learning to eat it quickly or I it would mold. Um, I spent school lectures and church sermons daydreaming about what was for lunch. I remember sneaking back to the potluck table after church to stuff napkins with shredded cheese and take away and eat in the bathroom. So for as long as I can remember, there's been this shame over how much I could eat. And alongside that, an obsession with food, sort of a constant um, preoccupation with food. As I got into junior high, my friends and I, to add another layer to all of this, started caring about what we looked like. And every day was another cycle of like, okay, guys, we'll eat the chips today, but tomorrow we'll be good. And by the time I got home, of course, I was packing away family-sized bags of chips rather than the single serving bags that were in my lunch pack. Then in high school, dieting became a real thing, a hobby, a fixation. I counted calories, and I was running 8 to 10 miles a day first thing in the morning, and this was on top of having this door-to-door missionary job that kept me on my feet all day, and by the time that day was done, I would pack away enough food into my body that my body would throw up without me, you know, forcing it to, asking it to, wanting it to. And I I would just basically eat until I felt like my eyes were going to pop out of my head. By the time I got into my 20s, I had moved out of my childhood religion, door-to-door missionary days, 
but entered what sort of felt like a religious experience in the clean eating movement. Um, I spent several years as a flight attendant, and I could regularly eat package after package after package of trail mix. Mind you, not the cute little freebies you're probably thinking of, but these full-sized bags meant for entire families. And at this point, I was sporadically throwing up my food, and at this point, it was no longer an unintentional situation. There was even a stretch where I juice-fasted for three months, hoping desperately that my binge eating would be healed by the end, and it made sense to me. I figured if I could prove to myself that I didn't need to eat for three months, I didn't need to chew anything, then why would I ever need to overeat again? So this is the situation that was going on in my mind at the time. But of course, binge eating, emotional eating, overeating, it was all right there when I finished. So there came a point where I could go for long stretches without binge eating. Um, my diet was uh, very, very clean along the lines of people that you've heard, the guests that you've heard on this show, but there was still this constant food fixation, this constant, my body will never be good enough, and a intermittent falling off the wagon. I mean, I even got to a point where I was sharing these before and after pictures like, hey, look, I, I lost all this weight. I got to my goal. I, I did the thing. But still, nobody knew what was going on behind the scenes, which is that I took pictures at like my lowest weight and I could hardly maintain it for the life of me. And internally, I was no more free than I had been before. Like clothes shopping was a little more fun and maybe that was it. Still, I was always thinking there's got to be more, there's got to be more, there's got to be more. And there was still all of this willpower around not binge eating. So if you would have asked me many years back if it were possible to completely stop binge eating, I probably would have said no at a certain point on the journey, or at least admitted that I didn't know, because for the life of me, I hadn't gotten to the bottom of it yet. I had read all the books on compulsive, emotional, and binge eating, and I was trying to feel my feelings, and I was trying to be mindful, and I was trying to just stop and going to therapy, and nothing worked. And in fact, the harder I tried to get rid of this thing, the more it seemed to want to hang on. And it, it didn't matter what habits I changed. I got plenty of sleep, meditated, gave up sugar, gave up nearly everything else, and was in general pretty brilliant at sticking to a diet. But I, I would absolutely binge on whatever was left over to binge on, even if that was like carrots. And you might think, that's ridiculous, that's not a binge. But I was still checking out. Even when I was juice fasting, you wouldn't believe the amount of juice that I would pack into my body. And then, of course, once the fast was over, it wasn't green juice that I was, quote, binging on. So I would be pounding back mason jars like it was my job. And I guess it was during a period where I was working at this raw food restaurant. I felt uncontrollable, insatiable, and I couldn't remember a time when it wasn't that way. And I would read testimonials on message boards pre-Facebook like group days, people saying they didn't binge anymore, and I would get so cynical and roll my eyes thinking that that was impossible and that they would be binging again before they knew it, but I didn't know how to think anything else because it was all that I had experienced. So I wanted nothing more than to swap my food obsession for freedom, but I was at my wit's end until... I quit fighting the thing. And when I quit fighting, and actually, this is going to sound really cheesy, but actually made friends 
with the binge eating, I found out it actually had a lot to teach me. And once I stopped fighting myself and stopped fighting my body, it all fell away very, very quickly. And I began to learn to listen to my body and the weight loss that I'd been struggling so, so, so hard to maintain after putting on a little weight as I was healing my relationship with food, it landed in a place that was very natural for me without effort. And honestly, that was the least interesting part of the whole thing because I promised myself that I could gain all of the weight back, which was probably like 30 pounds or something. Um, that I had lost and that if I could feel free in that body, it would be worth it to me. So if this is your thing, if food and body are this heavy, awful burden, what you need to know is that binge eating isn't the problem and there's nothing wrong with you. Binge eating is actually a symptom and it's a symptom that's calling for us to take a deeper look. And there are as many reasons to binge as there are people on the planet, so how could I possibly have your answer? Well, the tools that I work with can get you in touch with you and your own internal answers. And ultimately, there aren't countless reasons to binge. We tend to think there are, and we're often taught to look for triggers like, oh, I, I binge when I'm anxious, or I binge when there's peanut butter, and it's, it's all a lot more simple than that. Um, but ultimately, regardless, this is about you getting in touch with you. So the first shift that needs to be made is realizing that binge eating is here for you. It's not here to destroy your life. It's not a symptom of your lack of willpower. It's actually here to teach you more about yourself than anything else could, which is really exciting. I could take up an unbelievable amount of time talking about the things that binge eating actually taught me, but I like to keep things fairly to the point so that they're the most useful. And the point is, my binge eating taught me more than anything else ever has, and yours can too. And this is true about any compulsive behavior. So if you're listening to this and you're not a binge eater, or maybe you're just a casual emotional eater once in a while or whatever, whatever you're primary way of checking out of life, zoning out, being disconnected, that, that can teach you more about yourself than anything else. So I'm not here to fix anybody. I don't think anybody needs fixing, but I'm here to show a different way. And it's fairly unconventional and some of it might seem ridiculous, but go with me. Because if you're anything like me, you've probably tried the same things over and over without success. So maybe you have stopped eating sugar or kept your trigger foods out of the house or tried to white knuckle your way through promising yourself again and again that this is going to be the last time and shamed and hated yourself as a form of motivation. And I have been to all of those places. Let's talk about the definition of binge eating. And ultimately, it's not so black and white. You'll probably find a lot of definitions on the internet. For some people, it's four cookies. For some people, it's 40 cookies or more, well more. My mentor in eating psychology, Mark David, defines it as a deep, intensive dive into excess that's characterized by consequences, but points to something hidden. And in my words, it's basically out-of-control eating that feels like it's running your life, but secretly it's here in complete support of you. 
we developed this drive for very good reasons, this drive to eat and eat and eat. And it's actually the body's perfect response to a tendency to skim the surface of life. And when we skim the surface, we look for surface strategies. Again, like removing trigger foods or going to bed early or chewing on ice or whatever you might do to keep yourself from eating. A lot of approaches look at binging as a behavior program. It's looked at as bad, we need to fix this thing, and when we see it as bad, and when we see it as this part of ourself that needs to be fixed, we punish ourselves with this horrendous self-talk and this self-judgment, and we see ourselves as less than and unworthy until we get ourselves fixed. But if you think about it, I mean, would you do that with a child, a kid? Would you beat them up, tell them they're fat, that they have no willpower, that they're worthless? I mean, of course not. I hope not. This is how insane this strategy of self-attack is. So how liberating is it to take on the perspective that we don't actually need fixing? We just need to understand ourselves, see ourselves clearly. But perhaps this little... um This little nugget doesn't leave you feeling liberated yet, and maybe you still just feel like you are the out-of-control wreck, and that's okay. Think of, you can think of binge eating as an out-of-control behavior that's actually a balancing act for a place in our life where we're controlling too tightly. So our, our internal psychic system hates tight control. The more tightly we try and control ourselves, the sooner we're gonna snap. So... What we're doing is we're sort of learning the hidden secret language of the body and the psyche. And we, I titled this whole thing, the number one thing, um, the number one, oh shoot, what did I title it? Um, The number one key to healing binge binge eating. So control, control is the number one thing on the list of things your binge eating could be trying to show you. And as I went through this process myself, and as I've gone through it with clients, there are some clear repeats that pop up on the control list time and time again. So see if any of these resonate with you. First of all, are you trying to control your food frequency? Do you have rules about when you should eat or when you shouldn't eat? And if you eat outside those designated times, do you feel like you can't stop? Second, are you controlling pleasure with food and otherwise? Are you looking at certain foods as good and certain foods as bad? Or do you feel like you are good or bad if you eat certain foods? Are you somebody who eats, quote, healthy all day or you're good all day and then you binge at night? We have a biological need for pleasure. And we literally do not absorb food as well when we don't enjoy it. And I mean, am I saying that you should live on cheeseburgers or whatever? I mean, you could. But I doubt you'd feel very good for very long. And what I want to get you in touch with is what actually feels good in your own body. Third, are you controlling your emotions? Do you feel like you need to stay positive or not get angry? I mean, or on the flip side, are you not allowing yourself to live a joyful life? Are you labeling emotions as bad or good? And I can promise you, pushing down an emotion can very easily come out as binge eating. Next, are you controlling life as a whole? Do you need things to be a certain way to be happy? Do you need people to be a certain way? Are you always trying to maintain control of the world around you? And do you feel crazy when things don't go the way you feel like you should? Last, on my list at least, are you controlling food amount? 
do you have an idea of how much your body should have? Are you on a specific plan with solid limits? Let me tell you, I have been there. Like I mentioned above, I was great at sticking to a plan, but I'd binge on whatever was on that plan. Tight control of diet can be driven by fear of weight gain, fear of pleasure, fear of hunger, fear of food. We often hear the phrase, it's not about the food, in reference to our compulsive eating. And I even mentioned it above. In general, it's not about the food. But often, and this was really big for me, there's a big undiscussed area where it kind of is about the food. So there was a study done near the end of World War II, and you may have heard about this as it's becoming more more known, but the study was done on healthy, mentally stable men to test the effects of starvation and figure out how to best refeed those who had been through a period of famine. So they began the control period where they made sure the men were continuing to eat about how they normally would have been eating, which was, for them, around 3,000 calories. And after the control period, they dropped their calories to 1,570 a day. And maybe that sounds reasonable and responsible to you. Maybe that sounds outrageous. Whatever it is, that's what it was. And so here are a few of the notes that were documented. So quickly, the men became obsessed with food, reporting, thinking about it all day. They created rituals around their food and started obsessively reading cookbooks for fun. They became anxious, cruel, and impatient with each other and were extremely irritable if their meals weren't served on time. They became apathetic and no longer engaged in discussions about things that used to excite them, so no talk of sex or politics or anything that would have previously really gotten them going. They just talked about food. They'd started amping themselves up with mega doses of coffee and kept their mouths busy with gum. And despite having started the study completely committed, there were some who were even cheating and sneaking food outside of the study. One guy even reported dreaming about cannibalism. Then after being found cheating on the study, he broke down, threatened to kill himself, and was sent to the psychiatric ward. Once he had been fed plenty, he became completely normal again. In a really interesting twist, these guys also started believing that they looked fat, but that everyone around them was thin. I don't know about you, but I can relate to a lot of this. It's completely culturally acceptable for us to joke about how grumpy we are when we go on a diet, and I've known plenty of women who do all they can to stretch a low-calorie meal and make it last longer, and I've definitely read cookbooks for pleasure and spent all day nourished by nothing but coffee and green juice, so I thought I was being, quote, good, here we go again with the labels, and chewing gum for dessert, and of course, spending every waking moment of the day thinking about food. Now, as I look at this study, I there are things where my personal experience doesn't line up and what I believe about the human body and the capability of the human body and how much we actually need, etc., doesn't necessarily line up. My experience has been that the cleaner that my body gets, the less food I thrive on. However, when I took that idea in as somebody who was looking at myself as out of control, needing fixing, you know, I was very black and white and perfectionistic about things, that was a very dangerous idea. And I took it and ran without listening to my body whatsoever. And for me, in order to find the the most truly sustainable vibrancy, I've had to take this journey so slow. 
to find my sweet middle ground between intuitive eating, loving my body where it's at, and seeing what I'm really capable of. How good can I feel? How little can I be dependent on an outside source? And again, there's there's a time for each of these ideas. And it was only when I was mentally healthy enough that I could pursue a certain path healthfully. Very, very, very slowly. And I'm still on a very, very, very slow path. And I have these moments where I'm like, okay, like I want to be so much further along. I want to be like just living in the sunshine all barefoot and eating oranges all day and being totally happy. And that's the exact sort of idea that got me in a bit of trouble for a very long time. This idea of a free spirit looks like this. So I should be doing this. When really, I need to have my feet planted right where I'm at, addressing my huge history with emotional eating and binge eating and very painful body image, and hold this big, um, big, beautiful vision for myself without putting a timeline on it. So, back to this study. Restriction is powerful. These men who had been a totally normal weight, or rather, they'd been totally normal and healthy in every way pre-experiment, were now totally obsessed with their weight and with food. This restriction, this sort of outside-in forced restriction, caused major mental dysfunction, and of course, once they started eating normally again, they were starving. They only felt better after packing away thousands of calories, often in a frenzy. And they talked about feeling insatiable despite their physical fullness. And I remember, I think I even read this study back in the day when I was trying to force myself to like live on juice during the day and just eat one meal and all of this stuff. And I was like, but I'm cleansing and my body shouldn't need the da 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 But if we're really settled where we're at and we're not arguing with reality, then we don't need to justify. The truth was I needed more food at the time. That is simply where I was at, and we have to take our journeys where we're at. So our potential, both mentally and physically, becomes compromised when we're not connected and we're not listening and we're just taking this outside idea of what we think our body should need or, you know, we should give it to get us where we want to go. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that. It, it compromises us on all levels. So is this study saying that emotional eating isn't a thing? I mean, definitely not. We're fully capable of being well-fed and still using food as a way to escape, distract, or feel pleasure, but it's much easier to identify and heal that sort of habit from a place of mental steadiness and physical nourishment. And we need a more nourishing experience with food. So the problem isn't that you overeat. The problem is the rest of the day or week when you're in tight control. So I've got two homework assignments for you to try. First, write a list of all the areas in your life that you try to control. They can be things that I mentioned or entirely different things. And as you go over the list, start to think about where you can begin to gently soften that control. Homework part two takes into account that in order to binge, the body must be in a stress response. When we binge... There's a part of us that feels completely out of control, and there's a part of us that is simply abandoning ourself and disembodying. And the number one key to transforming compulsive eating in the moment is relaxation and presence. 
and this covers both the stress response issue and the self-abandonment issue. It is literally impossible to binge eat if relaxation and presence are part of the picture. Now, what I'm going to describe is going to be incredibly difficult for some and a piece of cake, a piece of cake for others, and don't judge yourself either way. If or when the urge to binge comes up, I don't want you to fight it. Part of what defines a binge for me is that we use it to zone out and go unconscious, and I would like you to do the opposite. So when the urge to binge comes up, I want you to stay awake and present. Not to keep you from binging, but to allow you to experience yourself in that moment fully. When every part of you wants to dive headfirst into the fridge, I want you to feel your feet on the floor. And then connect to your senses. So what am I seeing? What am I smelling? What am I feeling my body against? What am I hearing and eventually tasting? And feel the whirl of emotions and sensations going on in your body. And then go for whatever you were going for. Whatever the thing is. I honestly don't care if it's cookies or chips or whatever. But like dish it out. Have a seat. You're doing the thing anyways. So really show up for it. Allow it to be a very awake experience. And notice the voice that's telling you you should stop. Notice the shame voice. Just Notice. You can get up and get more as many times as you want. And when you finish, don't check out. And don't shame yourself. Stay connected to your body and your feelings. And this might be incredibly uncomfortable. It might be unlike anything you've tried or been told to do before, but this is step one, so don't skip it. It's not about getting rid of the binge. It's about listening and letting it transform us. And I'm not saying that I'm dooming you to a life of binge eating because, oh, this is so transformational. It has so much to teach me. I'm saying it's going to go when you don't need it anymore. So here's here's what you need to know now. You've gotten the number one key. Stop controlling and fighting. Turn towards yourself rather than away. The binge eating wants our attention. So let's give it. 